books with Aaron, Paul, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Paul. This, this is Tim. Wayne. Yes. <laughs> and this is Andrew. It's a photo finish. <laughs> yeah. Could you really say yes when we talked over each other, Tim? No, I made it. <laughs> it's a photo finish. We'll uh, we'll, we'll 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 compare. You know, the review the tape. Yeah, that's right. That's right. This so the uh, Kentucky Derby. I didn't win yeah. by a nose. Uh, you're still a little bit premature, which is what your wife says too. Ugh. Harsh. That does seem rather harsh. You know, that's not uh, that's really not kind of podcast appropriate conversation, Wayne. It's yeah. not something Superman would do, Wayne. That's right. I mean, you know, you'd think you'd be a little bit more tuned into that, having uh, gone off for your, you know, annual Superman pilgrimage. Yep, and it is at this point. I go every single year to Metropolis for the Superman celebration. This year, instead of going right after the podcast, I decided I was taking a day off work, drove down yesterday on a Friday, came back. Not nearly as many people on a Friday, and the weather was perfect for just you know walking around and enjoying it. Uh, not as many costumes because I went on a Friday, but we got a chance to go to the some of the fan film stuff. And my, this was my wife's first introduction to fan films because she hadn't – last year when we went, I left her over in the motel and I went over and did all the fan film celebration section by myself. There were there were some she actually enjoyed. There was uh, There's a whole series of fan films about a tiny little Superman. It was an action figure that were absolutely hilarious. But the way down – I'm playing the uh, the BBC audio drama, the death and death and life of Superman, and she just she's fighting this so painful, but I'm playing it anyway. <laughs> How long a drive is it? Uh, three and a half to four hours. Oh dear. <laughs> I, we listened to the entire audio drama during the t- course of the drive, and uh, and both of y'all made it there and back again. E. She back didn't like put you on little, the curb at some point. That's uh, right. Back was a little more difficult. <laughs> I ran out of that, and I started playing other things that she found even worse. Like, I was waiting for her to say, yeah, because I wanted to play it again. <laughs> <laughs> Just on a continual loop. And honey, if we could play this during our lovemaking, that would even be better. <laughs> oh, that would be good. <laughs> Just cut out the Supergirl parts and play that over. There you uh, go. Cut out the Supergirl parts. Yeah, play only the Supergirl parts. Only her voice. Oh, oh okay. I was about to say, um, hmm... I'm passing on this this little adventure. <laughs> it's it's a great time. I love going out there every year because there's so many conversations I get into with people about just about Superman, about comics in general. This year, the big conversation point was the New 52. Had so many Aquaman conversations out there. There was a uh, a guy there that does spray paint art. Have any of you have seen spray paint art? Yeah, where they're painting on the bodies. No. This is uh, basically they take... They'll take a normal canvas and they use spray paint to come up with these absolutely beautiful pictures. So like they'll uh, they'll spray, they'll put newspaper on it and pull it off to do blending. And they can come up with really good looking paintings made entirely out of spray paint just by putting things on and moving it around. And I got a uh, – so I'm looking through all of these paintings. There's like a ton of Superman, Batman, Hulk, Avengers stuff. But what jumped out at me, there was a Booster Gold and Blue Beetle one. That uh, It's the Ted Cord Blue Beetle and, of course, Booster Gold. And it's like, I'm looking through all of these. It's like the Superman and Batman stuff I can get all over the place, especially there. 
But to see a booster gold and a blue beetle, I'm not going to find that anywhere else. And it looks so beautiful that I, I had to buy it. And my wife got a uh, a Wonder Woman one, and we actually had him. There were two Wonder Woman ones that he already had done, and she didn't care for either of those because of one reason or another. So he made the Wonder Woman one right there while we were there. So we got to see him do some of that, and then we wandered around a little bit while it dried. So those those were two big purchases. Were uh, nice framed spray paint created art. You gotta send us pictures of those so we can put them in the show notes. I put one of them on uh, Twitter. Yeah, but we don't read your Twitter. Yeah, who follows you on Twitter? I even sent it to you, Aaron. I I did an at Aaron head of the picture. I don't think I saw that. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it's mainly because I blocked you, Wayne, but... Uh... <laughs> I, I don't blame you. I would block me, too. <clears throat> so, yeah. Did... Oh, go ahead. No, you go I, ahead. They also had a uh, charity event there. A, uh, they were doing trivia. And you do basically a donation to get a chance to play a Jeopardy game to win prizes. And uh, I did a – we did a small donation of I think it was like $2, and I got uh, an old Batman book from it. The trivia question was name the three live-action Jokers, the uh, the one from the Adam West series, the one from uh, the earlier Batman movies, and then the one from the you know the last movie. So that one was a just an easy slam dunk question for me. So, you know, you're you're walking around the Superman celebration talking to all these Superman fans. Is anyone actually reading Superman in the New 52 anymore? Uh, a couple people, but generally the consensus around there was it's a lot of people that kind of feel like I do. Huge Superman fans love the character. DC is not writing Superman right now. You can you can tell which ones they were too, Paul, because they're the droolers, <laughs> <laughs> the mouth breathers. Yeah, because I was having all those New Fifty Two conversations. Superman was not part of the New Fifty Two conversations, other than you know, yeah, I'm not really reading it right now. I mean, Aquaman was the big talking point, some Suicide Squad conversations, and a few other books, but Superman is really as a book. This is a whole celebration of people that are big Superman fans. All of us are disappointed with what DC is doing with Superman right now. Hmm. Well, it uh, doesn't look like they're going to change their course on it anytime soon, given the new 52 announcements this week. Did you guys read about that stuff? Well, I see that we get some zero uh, issues coming up. Yeah, in September, uh, I guess where there would normally be issue 13 – um, all the books they're having a, a number zero issue for every book. I guess the origins of the characters and all that stuff in the New Fifty Two universe, um, and they're using kind of that zero month to launch four new titles, and I guess cancel four existing titles. Yeah, and they haven't said what all four of the existing ones are, and that's what makes me nervous. They only the only one we know is being canceled was Justice League International, which should have been canceled after issue one. <laughs> well, I, I'm still buying it. It got better after the first arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not so much. Yeah. Well, when you stir at the bottom, there's only one way to go. <laughs> this is true. Well, does that you know? So they're canceling Justice League International, and apparently Rob Liefeld has confirmed that they're not canceling any of the books he's involved in. Too bad. So like Ooh. Deathstroke and Hawkman and those those aren't being canceled. 
But um, so that that probably yeah. means that Captain Adam, Blue Beetle, and Voodoo are the other three. I would expect Voodoo to get canceled. Um, I think that book because is, I'm reading it and enjoying it. I that's yeah. why I expect it to be canceled. Well, th- that is certainly a factor. <laughs> but you know, I don't I don't think it's performed like they had hoped, and you know that they they moved Ron Mars off the title, and I still think it's not performing. Yeah, and it's such a uh, disappointment because the book has been really good, and as much as I love Ron Mars. I like the direction they took when he left. I thought it got really good after you know after he left and they changed direction on the book. But yeah, I I expect it to go because it's I don't hear any buzz about it at all, and I'm enjoying it, so it's probably the, on the chopping block. Yeah, so yeah, you we'll, should listen to the Ron Mars interview now that Wayne said the book got better without him. There. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna back up a step and listen to the feed. There you go. <laughs> but no, I mean so. I'm a, I'm guessing those are going to be the four to get canceled, unless there are some that are just reaching their end anyway. Because you know, like when they started this whole round of New Fifty Two, I wonder how many stories were actually plotted out past twelve issues. Yeah, like I was wondering about uh, Green Lantern New Guardians. I'm enjoying that; it's a nice Kyle book, but it seems the entire series has been a build up to this big Green Lantern event that's coming up. So I would not be the least bit surprised to see it get it be one of the canceled books just because that's all the series was, was a build-up to this event. Once this event kicks off in uh, – when's it supposed to kick off, Paul? It's right after the Zero issues. Yeah, I think it's in October. Yeah, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if it's on the chopping block, not because of sales or performance or anything, just because it served its purpose, which was build-up to – to that, and that's going to be a big status quo changer. So maybe there's not a reason to to keep around New Guardians after that. Well, I guess we'll see. I'm sure they'll make the announcement sometime in the next week or so, because uh, those books won't have a zero issue. So it'll probably be right before solicitations get released. I thought but, some of them were getting zero issues, and then that was going to be their last issue. Uh, I don't know, because I, I know they're launching the new titles with zero issues. Oh, that's true. So the new titles, the four new titles are Talon, Amethyst, um, what are the other two? Oh, oh Team Seven, mm-hmm. and the Phantom Stranger. Now Talon is is picking up from one of the characters from the current, you know, Court of Owls storyline or Night of Owls storyline that's going on in the Batman books. Correct. So he he is one of the, I, I guess they call them Talons. Is that what they call them? Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the talents that I guess survives, you know, uh, the current storyline. So we, we we have an idea of what that book is. Amethyst is picking up a character that DC played with back in the seventies and eighties. That wow, <laughs> yeah, of all kinds, <laughs> yeah. they, they went with the Princess of Gem World. Yeah, and I mean that. I mean, wow, that story was bad, and the character concept was bad. So. I don't know what the thinking is there, except maybe it will appeal to the you know preteen girl set or something. I don't know, but wow. Um, and don't I recall wasn't Amethyst somehow related to Arion? Uh, it's possible. I don't. I, I I remember the book. I remember uh-huh. it being like this girly, cheesy, right? Poorly you know, illustrated. Yeah, basically <laughs> DC's Shira book. Yeah, and it was. I mean, it was the. And I know that's you know. You can't compare the art, 
you know, from from what was happening then to what they'll probably release now. But I just remember that book was so poorly drawn when I was a kid. And I should clarify, the book is not Amethyst. It's called Sword and Sorcery and features an Amethyst. It's kind of like the the current war book. What is it? Um, Men of GI War. Combat. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it has a, a, a main feature, Amethyst Princess of Gemworld, and a backup feature, Beowulf. Uh, by Tony Bedard and Jesus Saeed. Now, I do have to say I'm a little interested in the uh, Beowulf backup. I am, too. The problem with these books, and it's one of the reasons I dropped off of G.I. Combat and All-Star Western, is that they're $3.99 books, uh-huh. and typically I only like one of the stories. Right. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of anthology books. You know, generally, the, there, there's it's hit and miss for me, so I'll enjoy one thing and, like you said, dislike the rest of it. So I yeah. tend not to buy them. Kind of like G.I. Combat. I loved the War That Time Forgot stuff, the, uh, the dinosaurs versus soldiers story, but that was only 10 pages, and the other 20 were the uh, the unknown soldier that I could k- give a crap less about. You're right. So are you guys going to pick up any of the four new titles? I might uh, pick up the Talon book, depending on how the, the current Batman story wraps up. Yeah, I'm going to pick up Talon. I'm going to pick up – I might give the first issue of Team 7 a shot because the cast is Steve Trevor, Dinah Lance, Amanda Waller, John Lynch, Cole Cash, Alex Fairchild, and Slade Wilson. And it's about a team designed to take down Superman hmm. uh, in basically in the early days of the, the New 52, you know, the five years ago type stuff. So I might give the first issue a shot. Uh, I know Team 7 was an old Wildstorm concept. Yeah, and I used to read some of those. but And I might pick up Phantom Stranger number one. You know, I love Phantom Stranger as a character. I don't want to read a book about him. I think he works best as a supporting character that shows up. Because one of the big things about the character is the mystery of him. He shows up. You don't really know why he showed up. He's, you know, you don't really know what he did before he's there. He's just there, ridiculously powerful, and making things happen. And that's how he's always been done best in stories. And I don't think you can do that if you give him his own book. So I'm not touching any of these new four. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to – the the only one I'm on the fence – I'm not, not even buying the first issue is Sword and Sorcery. But yeah. it depends on how that Beowulf backup looks. But yeah, I mean I gave all the, the, the current – well, I guess Wave 2, I gave all the first issues tries. And you know some of them were pretty good. Some of them were pretty crap. So <laughs> you know, I'll give these ones a shot. Why not? You know, I'm a little disappointed at the what titles they announced, considering all the concepts they could have done. You know, yeah. if you wanted another Batman book, why not have a Red Robin book? Yeah. You Amen. Know. Oh, yeah, uh, I would have picked that one. I would have jumped at, you know, they you know, so, take my money. Give me a Red Robin book. I think they have some surefire concepts that they could make some good money on before they start stretching and reaching out to Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld. Well, I do think they're trying to, you know, broaden their demographic as opposed to, you know, a bunch of uh, of uh, old white guys. And, yeah, I mean, uh, you I know, yeah. so I, I, you know, I, I, I think it's great that they're doing that. I just Amethyst doesn't seem the character to me to do that with. Yeah, I think I, there know, are better hope, characters to do that with. And I hope these books sell well, and I hope they're, you know, the quality because the quality is really going to determine the sales. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I, I, I hope they're good because you know we do need some variety on the market. It's not all going to be superheroes and. You know, ten Batman books out of the new. I don't want one fifth of the DC universe to be Batman books, but <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be, be okay if one fifth was good. That's true. That's true. Yes. So, 
So, you know, they, they canceled Justice League International. There are three other titles that, 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 they're, that they're going to cancel, and those weren't the only cancellations we heard about this week. No. The Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon will be ending this season to make way for a new, more all-ages-friendly, less-continuity-heavy Avengers title that ties closely, more closely in with the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Which, you know, on, on the one hand is kind of surprising in that uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes has really been successful. You know, it has been both – it has received strong ratings and uh, has been, you know, critically – lauded for being such a high quality show so on the one hand it's surprising that they're canceling it but you know it is kind of the trend in uh in uh, children's animation to cancel after two seasons because that gives you enough to syndicate and you move on to your next thing it is so annoying because there have been some really good series that they've canceled like that yep and like they killed uh, spectacular spider-man so they could launch the ultimate spider-man well and it's, and- it's getting annoying that you get into a series it's not going to last very long because they're going to dump it so they can release another series. And Avengers had been so good. But to be honest, I was getting annoyed by the current you know, direction of the series because they were getting away from the continuity-heavy stories. And they were doing a bunch of one-shots, which that's not bad, but it feels like filler. It feels like a normal kids show versus what they had been, which is this really tied-together secret invasion storyline. And now that the series has been going, it's been going a little bit downhill for me because of these one shots, but it's still better than just about everything else that's on except for Young Justice. And now it's going to be canceled for another show like Amazing Spider-Man, which is a train wreck of a show, or like uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, which is a train wreck of a show that I keep watching and I don't know why, because it's a horrible, horrible show. And I have this... I was proud of Marvel, though, because they had two different kinds of shows. They had the show aimed for the older kids, which was Earth's Mightiest Heroes Avenger, that is very continuity-heavy, very good art, very good story. Everything was great about it. And then they had this cartoon for the younger kids, which is Ultimate Spider-Man, which wasn't my thing. But all the kids that I know, like all the kids of friends that have been watching the show, have all absolutely loved it. And you can do that. You can have two different shows aimed at two different demographics and make money out of both. You don't need to make the two closer together. You don't need to line them up. Because like we were just talking about with the uh, with the DC Comics, spread out your market, what you're trying to hit. Aim books at different people. Aim cartoons at different people. Because this whole getting you hooked on a series and then canceling it, I – I'm sick of it. At this point, it's like, why do I even bother watching a series if it's just going to be canceled the next season so they can release something new? I quit watching all of the Batman series because they kept doing that. DC just keeps relaunching their Batman cartoons for a new series so they can start over. I guess make new toys and things. How many uh, seasons of Batman Beyond? Uh, Batman Beyond was three seasons. Yeah. And, of course, the animated series lasted for a ridiculous amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the more recent ones like Brave and the Bold. I could well, care less about. I, I, they but. should they should never have made Brave and the Bold. Yeah, I agree. Now yeah. the Bat the Batman lasted five seasons, mm-hmm. and they canceled it so they the, could make the next Batman. Series. But I mean, are, do you expect these these TV shows to last into perpetuity? I mean, what is an acceptable amount of time, Wayne? Until the show gets bad. 
canceling it to create a new show is never an acceptable reason to cancel so, a show that's doing well to me. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to pull Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes out of this conversation cuz cuz I don't think they apply. But, you know, you have a show like The Batman that they canceled after 5 seasons. Is it not possible that perhaps the creators felt like they had told their stories and they were ready to tell some different stories that required if, a different take on the character? If that's the case, if they actually feel that's the the case, wrap up your story then. You know, have a do a you know a movie of it or do you know a half season or do something that actually wraps it up and gives you a finale to the series. Well, Don't I feel just like the Batman did that. It. The Batman did that, and it set up this, you know, that Batman is now part of the Justice League. I felt like the Batman had a satisfying conclusion. Um, Now, would I have liked to see more? Absolutely. I actually really enjoyed the hell out of the Batman. Yeah. Um, And I do agree. They did a better job of having that last season serve as an ending than, say, Sensational Spider-Man, which was this incredible cartoon that just ended. You know, I think it's hard as comic fans, because as comic fans, we come to expect, you know, you have to be true to the comic book. And we also like, you know, given our genre entertainment, we like things that have endings. Um, But cartoons just don't have that. I've never, other than the Batman, I've never seen a cartoon that was given enough time, uh, Justice League International, other than those two, that was given enough time to plan an ending before their creative staff were moved on to another cartoon and that cartoon canceled. I mean, that's just not the nature of cartoons that you get a series finale. Right. That's what I was going to point out too, is that if you look at what they did with justice league, that is a direction that I can get behind. They told the original justice league stories. They reached the point where I think they realized that they were reaching the end of their justice stories. And then they expanded it to justice league international. And then there were, you know, it's all of these spinoffs that just kept going. Those were tied back to the original Batman and Superman cartoons, too. So it's – I like that. That's a logical growth and continuation. You're done. You grow out of that, and the story continues going. It's not just, oh, we want to do a new series to make this – you know, make this Avenger series more like that Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon because they have a different feel. Well, and I think it's important to, to note that – these shows aren't for us, you know. I mean, it, I think Marvel, you know, and DC love the fact that uh, you know adults are watching, but the shows are for children, and they're trying to make the shows evergreen so that they can be broadcast and rebroadcast and run every single day of the week. And if you have a capper to the show, it might ruin that experience. Yeah. You know, and it's it's tricky. It's a tricky business. You know, Green Lantern, thirteen episodes. The current series, thirteen episodes, works great mm-hmm. um, for us. But you know, thirteen episodes is not really enough to to pull in. You know, Johnny five year old. Right. Um, not every day know, of the week. Not every day of the week. And yeah. you know, it, it just depends on if you want to. Do you want to appeal to the fans, or do you want to make money on toys? Right. Because um, I I don't think you can have both. Yep. Um, and you know that, that I think we'll probably see that with Young Justice a bit too. You know, the second arc of that storyline is very different from the first arc, um, polarizing fans even a bit. You know, and so I don't I don't know how well that's going to play with a kid audience, but it appeals to us as fans, great because it's a very mature show. Oh, it also uh, allows them to do a lot more toys too. It's kind of the Justice League Unlimited approach. Exactly. You know, and and now DC has announced, not DC, Warner Brothers has announced that in addition to Beware the Batman. Um, 
you know, I guess this DC Nation app block is spanning from one hour to two hours now because they'll have Green Lantern, um, Young Justice, Beware the Batman, and now they're bringing back Teen Titans with I, original I, episodes. I think that's not actually a two-hour block. I think it's a one-hour block that will run year-long. Ah, I think yeah, they're going to cycle in you know, the shows that, that you know, hit their season ender and bring on the next uh, series. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Because if, I would be all over a two-hour block. <laughs> You know, I love some of these little animated shorts that they mix in with it, and that was what they did with Teen Titans. They were trying to see if there's still an interest in it. So they uh, they started creating some of these shorts. They got some of the original voice actors back for it. And for the new series, they've got all the voice actors back just to kind of see, do people still care about this uh, this series? And this is a prime example of you can have shows with completely different feel young justice and teen titans have some of the same characters but these shows don't look or feel anything alike and they're aimed at different people and they can both coexist you know i gotta say you know with when beware the batman was announced i was kind of worried because it's you know a cg animated tv show which generally suck <laughs> and I was like uh you know i don't know if i like the look of the characters and all that but after this first season of green lantern I, I, I think they're going to do a good job. I'm really looking forward to Beware the Batman. Teen Titans Go, yeah, I didn't like it the first time around, so I could care less about it. But you know, I think it's I think it's a smart move to yeah. to bring in that the demographic because I, again, I I don't think what they have right now appeals to kids as much as that. Con- yeah, cartoon and, you know, I I did like Teen Titans sometimes. It was one of those I liked it in spite of myself moments where there are some really good episodes and then there's just some utter, you know, bubblegum pop episodes that have no substance whatsoever. And it's it's definitely more of an anime feel to it and not like a really good anime feel, but like a cheap comedy anime feel. You kind of have to turn off your brain when you're watching it. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, speaking of things that have been gone for a while and are be- and are coming back. This, this kind of leads us besides that. <laughs> my interest? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's not coming back. <laughs> well, it might because we're about to talk about Before Watchmen, uh, Minutemen number one, the first comic, the first floppy. Uh, of the Before Watchmen stories uh, that are being released next week is Silk Spectre number one. Uh, this is written, drawn, and by Darwin Cook, you know of uh, DC's New Frontier, and uh, DC has chosen this to be the, the first thing that you see as far as the Before Watchmen stories are are concerned. Aaron, I know you read this book. What do yeah, you think? And I think they made a wise choice in having uh, Darwin Cook's Minutemen book be the the first exposure to the the before watchman series because i gotta tell you this book is lovingly drawn uh, oh yeah i i mean i i told paul earlier this week you know darwin cook could draw the phone book and i'd be happy um his his pencils are just stunning and they, I, I think they're perfect for the era that this story is trying to tell and Darwin Cook has got such a vision on his pages. I mean, each page is a work of art that just, you know, flows so well one into the other. And I love this first page in this book. It's four panels. Uh, they are uh, they are longer than they are tall, and they're stacked vertically on top of each other. And it is uh, uh, the owl. The owl, right, Paul? That's his. 
Yeah, the original just, owl, not the, original the, not owl. the new owl. Right. The, not, not that new owl. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's the owl, and he's talking about his earliest memories. And so, you know, you can see him from the perspective of being in a bassinet, looking up, seeing his mom and his father in the background. And it's got this, this nice kind of, you know, arch to the panel. And then the next thing is, you know, him looking out uh, onto the city, you know, coming through a tunnel with that same arch. And then, you know, it's a view of Earth in profile against the sun with the other planets in the, in the, in the solar system. And again, you have that, that same sweeping arch uh, echoed into that panel. And then, you know, he, he's kind of talking about how things change as you go forward. And then you can see, you know, a, a similar arch, but it's the top of Dr. Manhattan's head. And I mean, I just love how that flows panel to panel. It is so well thought out. I mean, it, it's it doesn't overwhelm you in terms of you know art over you know, the storytelling. It just flows, and the whole book is like that. And there's so much going on in the background, and there is so much you know of him echoing design from design, and you know showing how things are changing for him. You know, because this is the the point of view of the owl telling his story in his retirement. You know, and it's during that period where he he wrote his uh, tell-all autobiography that uh, is featured in the pages of the original Watchmen series, and I just I, and I know I know Paul, I know you've got a different feeling on this book, but I thoroughly enjoyed this book. I thought this book was fantastic. See, I didn't dislike the book. Um, I think the art was absolutely gorgeous. I'm not gonna, you know, I mean that I totally agree with you on the story is where I have issues, um, and not. Not moral issues or anything like that. <laughs> um, I, I, I feel... am morally offended. I am outraged. <laughs> no, th- th- this issue felt like an information dump. I would agree. He's setting up. He's setting up the story. Yeah. Um, and I get that. It was just like it, they literally took the entire issue to introduce this cast of characters one by one. Yeah. You know, and and show a little bit of them, and you know, with narration, it was just. Which is, you know, it, it makes for a book that's going to take longer than five minutes to read, which is great. You're getting your money's worth. But it, it, it just felt like an information dump. Like, here's this character. Here's what they do. Look, the, this is what they're like. Yeah, and, here's I, this think character. Here's I, and, and I do hear you on that. I enjoyed getting to know these characters from Darwin Cook's perspective versus just, you know, what we got from Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons in the original Watchmen book. So it was nice to, to for me to kind of get toured through and reintroduce to these guys and to see the world through Darwin Cook's eyes. Yeah. I, I really got a kick out of it. I mean, there's so much going on in each panel. You can just pour over these pages to see what's going on. And here's what I'll say. I will buy this entire series. I, I think this is going to read well in trade, but I just, as a single issue, it, it wasn't a, as satisfying an experience for me, but I can tell it's going to be a great trade. Oh, no. And I, I think I think the trades will be beautiful on this, and you'll be able to pick them up for years and years to come. So, Paul, uh, what did you think of The Curse of the Crimson Corsair? I didn't like that <laughs> stuff in the, in the original <laughs> Watchmen. Bored with it, too. Let's go on with The Dark Knight. No, 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 no. I, 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 the Curse of the Crimson Corsair... Again, gorgeous art, but I wasn't a fan of the whole pirate backup in the original Watchmen. Uh huh. So, I mean, I know it ties into the story and all that stuff, but I don't know. Like, it didn't interest me. So now, now you're talking about a part of the book that didn't need to be in the book that didn't need to happen. Because to be honest, I hated all the pirate stuff in the original Watchmen too. When I reread it, I skip all of that. See, I love all the pirate stuff. Did you really? I mean, you know, here's the thing. I, I think it works well. I mean, I 
I just I, I felt it was I know it tied into the story in you know very loose concepts, but I just I don't know. I, I just didn't find it interesting. And I thought it was and this is only two pages. Right. Uh, I thought that was a little short. Uh, I, I think you don't really get much of a story here, and I think that's the because there are so many before Watchmen books, right? You know, it's it's you know you're going to have to you know well, read all of them together. I, I guess what I like so much about number one, the art is fantastic. Um, I, I just I love the art on the on the pirate story here, and it, it has that you know marvelous horrific feel to it. But you know, one of the things about the the pirate story in Watchmen is that it is just an awful story in terms of all the horrible horrible things that happen. And here you are two pages in, and we're already to the horrible horrible part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the uh, you know it leads up to a keel hauling, and you know they they make uh, no bones about what that means. You know. Oh, I know. And so, I, I just, out I just, of curiosity, is the pirate story a prequel to the other pirate story, or it is, is it just a? Comp- okay, no, it's a prequel to the pirate story. So, but you know, I, the only thing I oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Aaron. No, I was just gonna say I, I really enjoyed it, and God, the art is fantastic on it. It is. It is. Now, I I wish they had not gone with the computer coloring and computer lettering on it. Uh huh. Because that was one thing that worked about the original is that it looked like a retro comic book. Yes. I wish yes. they had gone a little bit further with that, but you know, so that that that's a little bit of a misstep. But I mean, again, I do recommend before Watchmen. Yes, it's uh, at least Minutemen. Um, I think what I've decided now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up the first issue of each one of these titles, and if I like them, then I will buy the trade for them. Mm-hmm. Because I just, again, I, I think this is a going to be. I think this is going to be one of Darwin's greatest books. Yeah, yeah. I, I can tell that from the beginning, but. I just, I think it's going to reach so much better in trade. Yeah. That I, I, I just prefer to uh, to just wait for the trade because I know DC's going to follow these up really fast with trades. Oh, you know it, you know it. So yeah, I, I highly recommend Minutemen. I am excited for for the next issue. And you know, I'd said before, I think I'm on board for every single one of these before Watchmen books. Yeah, I'm going to give so. them at least every single one a try. Yeah. Now, Wayne. <laughs> this now, is the best Batman story that I have read in a long time. It is a damn good Batman story. So and, this week, uh, DC started their Legends of the Dark Knight series. It is a digital only, or at least digital first. Yeah. Um, I've not heard of any plans to to put it out in print yet, but um, digital only at this point. Storyline, uh, kind of like the concept of Batman Black and White, where different creative teams take on short stories of Batman, but this is in color. And I guess Legends of the Dark Knight was also different creative teams taking on you know short stories of Batman, uh, but the inaugural story is uh, Damon Lindelof, the guy who writes uh, Prometheus, which is out in theaters now, um, with art by Jeff Lemire, who is the writer for many of DC's titles, including Animal Man, and uh, you know it's a, tw- a twenty. I guess 20 digital page, right. which is an actual pages um, story called The Butler Did It. And it is it it is illustrated for a digital platform, so you know it is made to fill that space. Yes, which um, is nice. and it, you know the the story. Uh, first, let me let me go let me step back a sec. This is uh, a week going to be a weekly series from DC Comics for Batman, ninety nine cents each week, uh, and they they're, they're going to release them on Fridays. On Mondays, they're releasing their 99 cents Amikami book. So uh, this week was issue two of Wonder Woman. And I think we're going to talk about all three of those next week uh, to kind of sum up that story. Yeah. 
I got to tell you, this marketing strategy that DC has where they're releasing digital books off cycle from the Wednesday new release day is fantastic. And add to that the price point. Oh, yeah. 99 cent books for you know for a digital book, I think that is a good price point. I have to give kudos to DC. They've, they have something good going here. I, uh, I, I was dubious about the 99 cent price point because I was afraid we were not going to get enough bang for, for the 99 cents in that digital space. But I got to tell you, I've been very satisfied with the Amikami books and extraordinarily satisfied with this Batman story. So that said, you can find the Amikami books released on Comixology on Mondays. You can find the Batman stories released on Comixology on Fridays. But let's talk about this story. This story takes place in kind of a year one sort of setting with Bruce Wayne Mm -hmm. being a jackass. (laughs) (laughs) A drunk jackass. A drunk jackass. And, you know... uh, yeah, which is awesome. I, gotta I, be honest, I don't awesome. know that we ought to spoil the ending because I no. think I think the ending is fantastic and, it, and it's what uh, it's what makes this book so good. But you know, we see Batman humbled. Yes, you know, early on in his Taught career, a lesson. And I mean, it is. I mean, it is brutal when you sit when as it's unrolling on the page. I mean, I literally, and it is rare that I have an audible in, in a comic book. You know, when I'm reading a comic book, but I, I, I when I got to the page, I went, "Holy shit!" I mean, it it really it took my breath away. I I saw it coming, but still, it yeah, just the level. It just really same thing. It just floored me as I was reading it. I love the dialogue in here too as the drunken bruce wayne just goes on about the other heroes and how much better he is than them he goes on about uh the yellow weakness in uh for green lantern and kryptonite and yeah no it it, it, this book is it is so well written i mean damon lindelof dude you should be writing a lot of batman stories and uh I, I wasn't sure what I was going to think of the Jeff Lemire artwork on this because you know Jeff Lemire's got that very you know indie type type of edgy feel to uh-huh. his artwork. I don't know if any of you guys read Sweet Tooth, but I mean this is this is essentially his Sweet Tooth style, um, yeah. and you know, I, it works really well in an independent book. But it's not really the kind of art you expect for Batman, but it works so well for the story. Yeah, I wouldn't want that art for a regular Batman book mm-hmm. that was telling normal stories, but for this particular story, this art fit it perfectly. Yeah, you know, because it was more of a character drama than it was an action adventure, you know, mystery. You know, it really was we were in Batman's head, you know, in this book mm-hmm. and I just I think it worked extraordinarily well. Yeah, I thought and it this, was fantastic. This art does a good job of showing us a beaten up character too. Yeah. No, I dug it. I dug it and I can't wait for next week's. Yeah. And uh, you know, I know this is the series that Jeff Parker and Gabriel Hardman have one. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to that one. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think this is just a really great concept. You know, we talked about the Mondays and Fridays, but they also have, I mean, DC's also doing the digital justice league beyond stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, there was, yeah. And there was another one that they're doing as well. Oh, Smallville. 
you know, they have a new digital book for every day of the week, essentially. Yep. Uh, I, think I think that's a brilliant fantastic. scheme, and it's it being new content. I mean, Marvel does a really good job of putting their stuff on sale. You know, they have their ninety nine cent Mondays, and then they'll have a sale over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's fantastic. You know, to to to, to pick stuff up out of the archive. But this is new content. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, at least the Amikami and the Batman book are just really, really strong. You new know, content I, that takes advantage of the medium. Yes. Which now, is important. I took advantage of the medium this week because there was a freak ton of new books out this week, mm-hmm. all of which I wanted to read. And so I picked up half my books uh, from my comic shop this week, and I picked up the other half digitally because you know I was going to be delayed getting to my shop. And with all the books that we had, I mean, I, I needed to get reading. So it was it was nice to be able to start reading on Wednesday and you know take my iPad with me wherever I went and whenever I had a free moment, you know, crack through another book. Um, well, I, I'm just sure that one of those books you were so excited to read was going to be Avengers versus X Men number five, right? Uh, I will say that was probably one of the last books I read this week. Yeah. <laughs> I. I um... You know, one, one more happy thought before we move on to <laughs> number five. You can tell the book we've, we've been avoiding talking about. Uh, it, DC, if Legends of the Dark Knight does well, you have to do a Legends of the Man of Steel book. Oh, that's fun. all I got. Oh, I would get yeah. so excited for that book. I would be it's not like it. a good, you know, Superman book out of the, any of the currently published ones. Yeah, I mean, I think we need some regular Superman digital content. That's not Smallville. Yeah, please. And okay. I like this style of one-off stories. Yeah. I want to see the, some creators take a shot at Superman. Yeah, that would be great. But, I, you know who I would not like to see take on Superman? John Romita M- Jr.? And Matt Fraction? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God damn, this book sucked. I'm sorry. I hated AVX number five. You know, I, 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 we're hitting that point of the story where it just feels like it's stretching too long. You know, that, that was my first comment, is that this entire issue takes place in like two minutes yeah it is the series has been stretching on for the last two issues before this yeah you know, this didn't need to be this long of a mini series it could have happened in like four issues it they've lost oh. me yeah and you know what the sad thing is you have Jason Aaron, Brian Michael Bendis, Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction, and Jonathan Hickman right you have Marvel's elite or their architects. Yeah. And, you know, I, I expected more of this story because you've, you've essentially created a story where the X-Men are very clearly, very clearly the bad guys. You know, and I expected it to be more of a who's good, who's bad. You know, oh, the X-Men have a good point, but so do the Avengers. I expected some of that. But yeah. no, it is straight up. It's a fight book, and the X-Men are very clearly the bad guys. There is no distinction. They are the villains, and now they're crazy villains, because now the Phoenix has taken possession of the five worst of the bunch, X-Men, Cyclops, Namor, Magic, Emma Frost, and Colossus. I do have to say, I like the Cyclops design for the Cyclops Phoenix. (laughs) I think that costume looks pretty cool, and that's the only compliment I have for the entire book. Now, did any of you guys uh, apply the AR reader to to, nah. the, to the comic? Okay, so I want to go through. You know, we, we had that the the usual you know pencils to inks to colored page you know uh, transition that it shows, but there was one 
where when you when you apply it over, it show it's on the page where uh, Tony is suiting up in the you know great big Phoenix killer armor, and so you apply the AR reader over to it, and it has the original artist, not John Romita Jr., talking about designing the armor. And here's where I think they made a mistake because they're showing the guy's original designs for this armor that, that Tony's wearing. And they are so much better drawn than John Romita Jr. did. I mean, they've got this nice kind of, you know, Macross kind of look for, to it. Uh, it's just brilliantly illustrated, whereas Tony's armor, as illustrated by John Romita Jr., looks like a Tonka toy. Yeah, it's a box with a gun in it. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, and then there is another one, uh, another AR, where it's actually Matt Fraction. You know, and it's Matt Fraction sitting at his computer, and and he says, "Hi, I'm Matt Fraction. I wrote this issue of Avengers vs. X Men." And you you think for a moment that he's going to talk to you about crafting the story, tell you some story points, that kind of thing, you know, and just kind of be really kind of behind the scenes. But no, that's it. Hi, I'm Matt Fraction. Hope you're enjoying the book. Uh, come back next time. I'm going to be writing issue seven. Uh, you know, somebody else is writing issue six. That was it. I'm on the fence if I'm even going to finish the series at this point. The uh, the very, Every issue I'm getting it more and more annoyed with. The very last AR that was in here is something that, uh, Wayne, you had actually you know expressed a desire for. They showed a page that wasn't included in the book. Ooh. And it was actually kind of nice because it's that scene where uh, the, the Phoenix-forced X-Men fly off, and what it shows you is the Avengers' reaction. To them flying off. See, that is exactly the kind of thing I want to see with this AR stuff. Yeah. That things like that is that would be just filler in the regular book that add to the story. It's like deleted scenes on a DVD. Yeah. Now, did you guys all get the Jim Chung and uh, Justin Ponzer cover? Yeah. That's the one where where Captain America has got his head thrown back, screaming, and the Phoenix Force seems to be erupting through him. Yeah. Nah, I didn't that, like that cover. That so cover is a holy mess. I mean, you have to sit there and go, what the hell am I looking at? You know, because it's got this blend of Wolverine and Cyclops in it. I think that cover is awful. Yeah, when I got to the comic shop, there were three covers. Uh-huh. There was the uh, the I'm with the Avengers cover, where it's uh, Thing and Juggernaut fighting. Well, uh-huh. Thing and Colossus not fighting. And Thing is colored. Then they had the I'm with the X-Men one, where Colossus not was covered. And then they had that center one which was uh, the Captain America one. And it's like, I don't like any of these, but I think the colored thing was the least offensive cover. So I went with that one. Well, I, uh, I'm i going to finish this series, by God. But wow, I would just, I, I, I'm really unhappy with... I, I felt like we all kind of dug issue one and two. Yeah. And then three, four, and five just feel like we're dragging. I mean, I don't see why this this there's not enough story here to drag this thing on, you know. And well, I, if just, there's one thing Matt Fraction can do, it's drag a story on. You got that right. Hey, maybe maybe you know the next time we see Matt Fraction right in AVX uh, issue seven or round seven, maybe Tony won't put his armor on because <laughs> you know that that's kind of his move. 
<laughs> so anyway, I, I'm I'm a little disappointed in where we are uh, in terms of the story on AVX round five, but I do think the augmented reader technology is coming along. I think that they're 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 mastering some of that content. I like the little videos that they're putting in there. Um, I, I'd really like to see you know uh, links to audio files, you know, such as a podcast. And I'm not I'm not saying that they need to link to our podcast. Where we're telling them how much we disliked AVX round five. But perhaps they could link to a podcast where the creators are being interviewed, you know. And I do really like, you know, the design notes, and I really enjoyed the uh, page that was cut from the book. Yeah, I know some of the other companies are watching what Marvel's doing with this. The uh, Valiant, for example, had something this uh, this week that is kind of similar too. So I'm I'm hoping we see more companies do this. Yeah, I'll start downloading the augmented readers if there's being good content on them, and because I I like the concept. It yeah. really is like watching a a DVD and doing special features. Now, Tim, an Avengers versus X Men tie-in this week was it was Avengers Academy issue 31, featuring uh, Sebastian Shaw. Having broken free from Avengers Academy prison, or I guess we could call it detention hall. Um, <laughs> which thing? I was yeah, I was surprised to see you bought it. I thought you were skipping it. Oh, it was total comic book guy peer pressure. <laughs> it was still in my stupid pull box, and he was the only one there. And oh. there was no way I was going to be able to put it back on the shelf. There's another book on the list here that's the same stupid thing. <laughs> Um, what can I say about this book? Uh, it's not. It's not that this was necessarily a bad book. I mean, the art was fantastic. I love the art. Yeah, the, um, the Grummet artwork is just exceptional. Well, and unlike last month, you actually got some character moments in this one. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. And so I, I, I really like Hercules, and I, I think it. I think he adds something to the to the to the teaching staff. Acting. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes, Greek acting. Um, so I guess my thing is is that these character moments that we're seeing, we've seen them all before. Yes. And I don't think they're bad, I, but I think it's the same it's it's very much the same thing we got before. Yeah. And I don't know that we need that. And I think these these people this team needs to have a superhero arc, not just a we're kid heroes. Right. Does that make sense? It does. You and know, I'll take it one stretch further, Tim. This book needs a non-tie-in, non-crossover arc again, because that's what's that's what's hurting right now. I, I love this title. This is one of my favorite books to read each month. I thought that this particular issue had some great moments from a – some really good character moments even. Not with this team, though. Like the Sebastian Shaw had some wonderful moments in this book that made me think, you know, maybe I should pick up some of the, uh, like, I don't even know what title these other characters are in. But, you know, I'd like to see what's going on with Sebastian Shaw. But I don't want you to sell me that book in the title that I've enjoyed since issue one. I want to get back to these characters and progressing their characters, moving them on. I love the book. I don't want it to sound. I don't want it to sound like I'm bitching about the book or anything. I'm just tired of the tie-ins. This this is a book that does so well with character moments. It needs to get back to that. It needs to have its own story arcs that have nothing to do with tie-ins. And next issue, that isn't going to happen because next issue, 
Phoenix Frost is, you know, coming in. So we're continuing the tie-ins. Well, you know, what this book did give us is, you know, thespian extraordinaire Hercules. Ugh! I am undone, O cruel fates! Why have you cursed me so? Hercules has no regrets, for I have lived as a warrior. And if I may make a few more observations ere I fall. <laughs> oh, that that was a wonderful scene. I mean, that that whole realization going on there, and the uh, the teachers fighting the students, throwing the fight, all of that. Yeah. The overacting. Because there are cameras everywhere. Do you understand me? <laughs> God, I, I, I was frustrated. I share a lot of the same frustrations that Tim has about this book. But I really did enjoy the Hercules moments in this story. Which is sad that the guy who is distant supporting cast in, in Avengers Academy is, I thought, the, the shining character in this book for this issue. Yeah, and, and Laura had some wonderful moments too. X twenty three. It's we haven't really seen her character moments as that may be yeah. why I think they're wonderful moments is because, like Tim said, a lot of the other character moments we've seen before. We haven't really seen some of her moments like this. Yeah. So it was nice to see her character move along a little. I I just want the tie ins to end. I well, want them to focus on these characters again. I uh I wouldn't mind a story that that is aware of what else is going on in the Marvel universe. I just am tired of seeing their stories derailed. Well, and, and I'm, I'm tired of it out too. the crossover, not yeah. just the crossover that other characters keep coming in and we see their character yeah. moments and it's crowding the our space. characters. Yeah. You're crowding the space. You're not getting to see what's going on with the Academy kids. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm, I'm not sure I want to pick up issue 32 as much as I enjoy Christus Gage's writing. And as much as I enjoy Tom Grummet's art, the stories have frustrated me lately, you know? So, I mean, I just, I, and I, I, I was dubious about picking up 31 you know, because I knew it was going to be more of this. And while, you know, I really did enjoy Hercules in this story, was it worth my $2.99 uh, for this book? And I'm not sure that it was. So I, I'm on the fence. I'm not sure where I am for issue 32. See, I understand how Tim felt about Thunderbolts now back when, uh, you know, back when it was doing all of the crossovers <laughs> and how uh, he, he couldn't. I remember him ranting about it, that he, he just couldn't get his own title. You know, because every single issue seemed to be tied in with something and how frustrating that was. And I wasn't reading the book, so I just found it amusing. <laughs> I understand that pain now. Well, and along those lines, Thunderbolts has been retitled as Dark Adventures with issue 175. Tim? Yeah, so another... Uh... Another pity purchase was Avengers, Dark Avengers because 175. It was a pity purchase because it was on your in your pull box? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, what can I say? Uh, boy, I didn't like this book. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like this book at all. Maybe it's because it's, you have fake Thor on this book. It makes me, you know, long for real Thor when it's written by somebody other than Matt Fraction. Maybe it's the fact that there's not a there's not a damn redeeming character in this book except for Luke Cage, who it sounds like's on the way out. Yeah. And I like I like Scar as a concept. I don't know if I want to see him with with this cast of characters. 
you know, uh, Declan Shalvey is is you know on deck for pencils in this book, and I think his pencils work really well for the Thunderbolts title. I don't think they work well at all for Dark Avengers. You know, Dark Avengers, I, I guess, bears up under the scrutiny of having been illustrated by Mike Diodato when you had the Dark Avengers storyline under the Dark Reign uh, uh, event. I'm having a hard time with with you know, Shalvey's artwork here. I don't know if that was a problem for you, Wayne, uh, Tim, but uh, I it, it really it didn't feel like the book changed. Was it a problem for me at all? I didn't yeah, buy it. Sorry, um, Tim. Uh, the uh, the uh, it didn't feel like there was a, a significant enough change in the atmosphere of the book from. Thunderbolts to Dark Avengers because you know Shalvey was drawing in this exact same style for Thunderbolts, mm-hmm. and so I'm kind of having a problem with that um, in that transition here. I don't have a problem with the art necessarily, except for the fact that you've you've switched out characters that I had built maybe not a like for because like the the new ones had like Mister Hyde and I like Troll and yeah. you know Satana was okay, but now I've got absolutely nobody that I like. Zero. There's there's zero. Uh, you know, and it's like I don't want to. Like I don't know. I think it'd be cool a little bit to see if you kept Songbird and mm-hmm. uh, whatever Abe's Mach seven point five or whatever the hell he's calling himself. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that might be okay, but I don't think it's worth my money. Well, I really don't. I, you know, uh, Clone Thor or Ragnarok, as he is called. Um, Failbot. Yeah, I. Uh, they have not made a strong enough case for me of why Thor hasn't just destroyed him. He did. But why? Why has he allowed him to come back? I mean, I that's, don't know. That's what I don't understand. Is I mean, if if I am the god of thunder. And someone has cloned me, and that clone, my evil clone, is wandering around, you know, acting out. I'm thinking I got to take that guy out. Has Thor dealt with him? Because I haven't seen that. Yeah, he it was him pretty hard. Volstag destroyed him. Um, Thor pounded him pretty hard. What was it in the pages of Iron Man? No, it was in Thor. Was it in Thor? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I'm just thinking that you make a, a nice paste out of this guy. And uh, call it a day. Yeah. Now, there, don't get me wrong. There's a part of me that kind of enjoys the idea of Ragnarok, but uh, I, I, I just I don't see how Thor allows this guy to you know continue. I guess my problem is he looks exactly like Thor. Yes. Like if Ragnarok looked like like Red Norvell or something. Yes. Oh, I, man. I think I might nice have a callback better. to Red Norvell, Tim. I'm, I might have a you know. More of a, a tolerance, yeah. I guess. See, I was thinking like a cyborg Superman, only cyborg Thor. Oh no, yeah, I was kind of that's you know Terminator uh, Thor, you know, with with a visible uh, you know metal jawline or something. But yeah, but I'm no, I like that, the, I like the callback to Red Norvell. I I'm, I'm all over that. So Paul, did you read this book? I did, and um, didn't really care for it. Yeah, and I hopped in because it was the new, you know, it was the start of the Dark Avenger stuff, and you know. It, it, it still very much ties into the Thunderbolts, that stuff that came before, I guess, time traveling and all that stuff. Um, and I just, the team, I just don't like the team at all. Like, why would I read a book about those characters? 
at all. I mean, none of those characters are halfway interesting. You know, I think I, I, I can get into Scar. I can get into Ragnarok. The guy who's being, you know, Dark Spider-Man, you know, uh, I I don't know who this AI Ipic is. I don't know. You know, I, I really liked it when the Dark Avengers, you know, was Venom, right? And then you, you you had you had Venom, you had uh, Moonstone, you had uh, you had Bullseye, you yeah, all those guys. Th- these are these are kind of your your low rent Dark Avengers, with you know Conan, son of Hulk. <laughs> yeah, and you know it, it, it's just the, the characters just don't interest me. And you know the Thunderbolts, I I enjoyed that book on and off, but. I kind of dropped off because it, it wasn't tickling my fancy for a while, and I don't know. I just I, I had hopes that the Stark Avengers would turn it around. Yeah. Because um, I mean, from the very beginning, we said you know Thunderbolts really deserve to be relaunched with a number one and call it Dark Avengers because that's yeah. essentially what it was. But I don't know. Like you took away the characters I liked, you put in a bunch of characters I don't like. You know, the Luke Cage thing, you know, seems to be pulling back. I just. Yeah, it, it just it, it is. I'm not saying it's a horrible book, but <laughs> it, it's definitely not one I'm going to be picking up because it just the 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 concept and the characters no longer interest me on it. You, you know, t- uh, going back to what Wayne said, I really liked what Jeff Parker was doing when he was writing stories about Juggernaut and Ghost and Crossbones, yeah, and yeah. having Luke Cage and you know the two you know the the, the two like his wardens basically in Songbird and uh, Mach Five. Those were fun stories. I really enjoyed those. And then they got derailed by, you know, event after event after event to the point where Jeff Parker wrote himself into a corner and had to, like, push some of them back through time because man thing exploded or something stupid. It's just it's it it's a shame because those are really good books. And I don't think I don't think he's gotten I don't think his stories have gotten worse, but I think that he doesn't have a rhythm. Right now, yeah. Well, and, and I, I think, think this is what he's trying to do with this book now, with with relaunching with a new with a new team. But you've got to have you got to have something in there to, to hook people. And I don't know if if Scar is going to be that that guy. I don't know if Ragnarok is that guy. It's definitely not Toxy Doxy. That's the worst name I think I've ever heard. They should just call her like Blonde Scarlet Witch or Peroxide Scarlet Witch. It's awful. Yeah. There is seriously a character named Toxy Doxy. Yes. Wow. I have no idea. Yeah. You know, and I, I we do we I love Jeff Parker. I really do. And you know, his that story, the Thunderbolt story where Doctor Strange guest starred, that's one of my favorite yeah. Doctor Strange stories ever. Mm-hmm. But this just this uh you know, I just I think this book is a little lost right now. And I think this is an attempt to put it on a course. But I don't think it's a course I care to follow it along with. So I'm sorry, but I am not continuing to pick up uh, Dark Avengers. And Tim, you probably need to get it dropped off your uh, pull list so you don't have to buy the <laughs> next one. That is going to happen. Okay, so we can leave a book that we're not particularly happy with, and we can jump onto a book that I think we're I, – I, I'm guessing we're all pretty happy with, which is Artifacts number 18. Am I right? I will agree. I loved this book. I, 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 now, I think you could you could you know download our Ron Mars episode from last week where we interviewed uh, the the writer of uh, Artifacts, 
and hear Paul and I, you know, uh, shine him on quite a bit because we both really like this book. Um, Tim, Wayne. Well, what I, what I can say is that I, as much as I like Ron Mars, the reason I like Artifacts is 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 more about uh, Stefan Sayek. Yeah, Stapen Sayek. Stapen, Stefan. Yeah. What, what you know, whatever. Yeah. Names, words. His, I, his artwork is beautiful. Art. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. Like better than you think a artist should be able to do in a uh, monthly turnaround. You know, that's exactly. I mean, that's exactly how I feel about it. It's like, how does he turn this out on a monthly basis? It's digital, and that's he, he does all his art digitally, and that's, that's how it works. I would say that's something you really got to give the dark, uh, the top cow people. They have some truly good artists that turn things around very quickly. It's I don't think I've ever picked up a top cow book and haven't been blown away by the art. And their books typically aren't late. Yeah. And by the way, just just as another uh, bonus to this this book, I, I liked how they answered the question of of if Jackie Estacado can have sex again. <laughs> that was a, that was a nice answer. Yeah. 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 yeah I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. You know, it, you don't often get nudity in comic books nowadays. Well, and, uh, and nudity that goes on for the full page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in a in a well, uh, I did read the book, but now I will. Well, it's actually it's it's two pages, isn't it? Yeah. 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 You know, this is the fir- the concluding chapter of the first arc. It's five issues, and Wayne, I would recommend reading all five issues. It's it's a really good arc, and it really sets up the status quo of the new universe and how different it is. Um, I think there's a lot here to like, and I really and, and but with the art. And I like some of the concepts that they're pulling in. Yeah. And uh, the main character, Tom Judge, it's almost like a superhero X-Files book. It is. It is. You know, I wish I would have kept up on the uh, after the the universe thing because the what I have read not effects after they've uh, did their I don't want to call it a reboot, but but it was a reboot. Yeah. After they did that, everything I've read in Artifacts has been good. I just the original series leading up to it had kind of lost me. It felt like it was dragging. I think it'll read wonderfully in trade. So I want to go back and finish reading that. But I really wish I would have just started again when you guys told me this was an ongoing series now and just kept reading it because hearing you guys go on about it every week, I I now am five issues behind on it and well, it's what I have read has been good. You know, I just haven't read a full issue. I went back in preparation for our interview with Ron and reread everything from 13 forward. And those books read fantastic back to back. I mean, yeah. just fantastic. And the nice thing about Artifacts is that if you don't want to read another Top Cow book, if you don't want to read The Darkness or Witchblade, you don't have to. Because you get everything you need right there in Artifacts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You get all the characters in here. Yeah. yeah and and I'll, I'll be honest, Witchblade, since Ron left, I. It kind of lost its interest. I, for I me. would agree. I, it is. It is not. I have not been interested in the Witchblade book. He did the, such a wonderful job with Witchblade that, to me, he is Witchblade's writer, and I, it's going to be hard for anyone else to ever step in and do that character because he just did it so well. Well, yeah, I will he, say that the darkness is almost like Artifacts, the other half of Artifacts. Um, that book reads so well. With artifacts, mm-hmm. so I mean, you know, of the three books that Top Cow puts out monthly, uh, the Darkness and Artifacts are the are, are two that I'm really into. Yeah, so highly recommend checking out Artifacts. I really hope they collect this first arc in a like a, a hardcover because that Stepan Sayic or Sayic art, uh-huh. 
is gorgeous. I want to see. You know, I want a hardcover of this arc. Yeah, absolutely. There's the there's the two page spread with uh, the darkness and the Angelus. You know, the oh, darkness yeah. riding a a tidal wave of demons and uh-huh. the Angelus coming down. Oh man, that was fantastic. Yup. Yeah, uh, it, it's a great book, and if you liked what Ron Mars did on Witchblade, this is very much in the same feel. You know, except you've got a, just even more gorgeous art, and I'm on board. I'm, I'm, you know, sign me up for the next arc. I am loving this book. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, it, it's nice to have a book that ties together an entire universe. You know, it, it almost makes me feel like I'd like to see that in other universes, like perhaps uh, Prophecy from Dynamite Entertainment. Where we, where we bring together Red Sonia, and we bring together Vampirella, and we bring together Sherlock Holmes and Watson, and we bring together Dracula and 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 other folks. <laughs> and I think that's what it says on the cover. And other folks. And other folks. So There's I got to be, be honest when I when I heard the interview and I heard that this that this was what this book was going to be. My first thought was, this is going to be a train wreck. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I got to be honest. Like, I, I like Ron Mars is writing, but I'm like, there's too many, too much going on to add all those people together. It won't make I, a lick of sense. I will be honest too, Tim. When I first saw the cover, that's when I thought this might be a train wreck, because on the cover you see Dracula and Red Sonia and uh, and Vampirella. I'm like. Oh, this is going to be one of those crossovers. What did I agree to read? Yeah, this is going to be like the other Dynamite one that we all hated except for Paul. <laughs> uh, with Transformers and Ghostbusters and whatever. Oh, yeah, that was IDW. That was IDW. <laughs> Sorry. Well, anyways, uh, my my fears were alleviated when I read this book. So you liked like, it? I, I did like it. I um. I think that the this, this, the reasoning behind what was happening made made, made enough sense for me to suspend my uh, cynicism, and that's kind of all you really need <laughs> for a comic book, right? You don't need it to actually make a whole lot of sense, but you gotta you gotta have a you have to aim for like a mediocre target, kind of. And I'm not saying that the right the writing was mediocre. I really liked it. Um, you know the scenes with. Uh, you know, Red Sonia and uh, Vampirella, pretty cool scenes. Yeah. Um, the part I didn't necessarily get is because I don't, I, I, and I'm sure they're going to tell it is why she's working with Dracula. Because if you read the little bio at the end, because I've never picked up a Vampirella book, it's like she really hates Dracula. I'm like, <laughs> that doesn't make any you sense. Know, you know why? Because <laughs> he's a dick. That's why. <laughs> that yeah. fake Euro- Eastern European accent. That's right. Euro yeah. trash. Like okay. him, I came in thinking this might be a train wreck, and it, it really wasn't. Every Everything seems to tie together well for why this crossover is, you know, character crossover is happening. I was happy with the writing. I, I don't care about Red Sonja. I never have. I've never gotten into the character. I don't really know much about the character. So it wasn't a selling point for me to have her in here, mm-hmm. but it didn't. It certainly didn't kill the story at all having her in here. And uh, I'm curious how the how her interactions with Vampirella is going to be. I've only read very few Vampirella stories in the past, and the character has always seemed interesting to me, but been killed by the over the top level of fan service they do with her books. Because she's a character that isn't really wearing clothes. Yes, it's the best part about Vampirella. But usually the uh, the anatomy is just uh, 
impossible. It's it's kind of like the uh, the uncanny valley. Her boobs are the uncanny valley. Well, I like that. You know, she she like most superheroes has a symbol, and she wears <laughs> hers down on her underwear. Yeah. I just I think that is right on. <laughs> And she is all about minimalization. She doesn't need all these clothes that other people tend to wear. So, and you know, Red she only covers up the naughty bits and Red everything Sonic else. seems to be the same way. She doesn't seem to be much about clothes either. Well, you know, she, she, she's, she's armored up the important parts, you know, yeah. and the jumblies and, uh, the, you know, the, the uh, downstairs area. So, uh, you know, we're good. We're good. That is one thing I really have to give this book is it could have gone down the cheesecake factor very easily because here are two nearly naked characters that are headlining it. (laughs) And it didn't do that. It gave us really good drawings and art of the characters that are basically nearly naked. But it didn't didn't get gratuitous. So what did you think of the appearance of uh, Holmes and Watson in the book? I didn't expect it at all. It caught me off guard in the beginning, and I enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I really dug it. You know, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes is certainly enjoying uh, a heyday, as it were. You know, you've got the BBC series. There's a new American series that's coming out, uh, television series, I should say. Um, and you know, the, the the I don't know if you guys have seen any of the previews for the new American Sherlock Holmes series coming out, but you know, they're, they're Americans, and Lucy Liu is playing the role of Watson. Yeah, it looks pretty good, actually. I'm looking forward to that series. But, you know, I was thinking about, you know, a, a if you're really wanting to embrace an American interpretation of Sherlock Holmes, maybe you might have an African-American Sherlock Holmes, you know, you know Holmes. And, and, and I was thinking, oh, well, then how would you cast Watson, you know? So you've got, you know, African-American Sherlock Holmes. Maybe Watson is his son. And you could call the show Sherlock and Son. And they could drive around in a beat-up pickup. They could drive around in a beat-up pickup solving crimes, you know. And and if it, the, the problem is that, you know, is the casting because, you know, Red Fox isn't alive anymore. <laughs> Paul, I think you might like Tracy Morgan for the role. No, I, I, I'm pretty much <laughs> – <laughs> I, I think I want to punch you just for mentioning Tracy Morgan on this podcast. <laughs> but you got to get, get a good staff to really promote this thing. Do not hire the people that did the advertising for John Carter. <laughs> oh, my God. God, I quit this podcast. Uh, you know, I quit this podcast so much, I'm not even going to talk about those stupid Valiant books that Wayne is so excited about. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. They're both good. Go ahead, Wayne. I know you're gushing. I know you're uh, waiting for like an hour and a half. I am gushing about these. I, I, I was so excited when I saw Valiant was coming back, but I was nervous too. And as the book started rolling out to see that they were actually good, just blew me away. So we'll we'll start with Exo Man of War number two. The uh, the first issue I was very happy with. Aaron, I know, had uh, expressed some concern that. It would take a long time to get the story set up and get him to modern day, which still hasn't happened yet. But I think the pacing is going along very good with this. And we already see him in the armor in issue two. So it's, it is taking longer than in the original story because it was all happened in one issue in the original story. But it's not like, like with Ultimate Spider-Man, it's not going to take six issues to get to the point where he's in modern day in the armor, I don't think. Yeah, you know, the uh, I, w- I was concerned about some of the pacing, and, uh, you know, the, the story follows a, a 
a an outline that I don't much care for where we're getting all the origin linearly. In general, I, I like that kind of thing as a flashback or, you know, tell that to me in issue six or something. But, you know, let me see the guy doing cool stuff in the army armor. But, you know, once I move past that, it's a good story. You know, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the uh, the action. I enjoyed, you know, uh, the twist that occurs at the end where it, it flips the uh, the aliens understanding. And, and you know, I, I think I think that it's going in an interesting direction. Yeah. One thing I like about this better than the original version of it is besides the art, because the art is so much better than the original art. Yeah. It's that we're actually seeing why he hates the spider aliens here. Yes. You had some of that, and it was told to you in the original, but we are seeing what they did to him and his people. We're seeing them use them as slave labor, torture them, chop off his hand. We're actually seeing all that on panel. So as the story progresses, we know why he hates them. He has a good reason to hate them. No, absolutely. And I think I think it's a, it's a strong second issue. I am on board for for Man of War. I'm I'm I, I think it's strong. I think it's strong. But I got to tell you, Wayne, there was another first issue from Valiant this this month, this week, and that was Harbinger number one. And oh my God, that book was good. Yeah, it's Harbinger was my favorite of the original Valiant books. It was the I don't know if I mentioned this on mic or not, but when I was on BBSs, I used the name Harbinger on BBSs. I had a girlfriend that I met off of a BBS who never used my real name. She only called me Harbinger, except she mispronounced it and called it Harbinger. But either way, <laughs> this and name. yet you still dated her. Very short time. Yeah. Uh huh. But either, you know, basically just driving home the point that. This Valiant stuff, particularly the Harbinger title, was a very big deal to me at the time. I loved the book. I loved the story being told. And I was most nervous about this relaunch more than anything else. Like EXO, I enjoyed some of the original stuff. I didn't like all the original stuff. I was excited about it, but it wasn't on a pedestal like Harbinger is. This one was on a pedestal for me and still... This book met every expectation I had and exceeded it. Now, I think I've said this before, but you know, I was not a huge fan of the Valiant books. I always liked the idea of their characters, but I never really cared for the way they were executed. And so I have read maybe one or two of the original run of Harbinger and never liked them. Liked the idea, didn't care for how the books came off. I thought this book was fantastic. I thought this this did everything an issue one needed to do. It established the ground rules. It told you what the character possibilities were and what his barriers are. I mean, I really think they they did everything that a first issue needs to do, up to and including making me want to buy issue two. Yeah. Um, I, I I really dug it. But I got a question for you, Wayne. Okay. Um, I am looking at my digital copy of it, page seven. Um, has Harbinger walking down the street. He's just popped a handful of pills. There is a third panel there, and he's got st- he's he's still hearing other people's thoughts, but they're starting to fade. And he's walking past some graffiti, and you can see that you know there's some graf- you know uh, graffiti on the wall. But there is a very clear image of a uh, person, which almost looks like a child to me, uh, all in red with pointy pointy teeth. Yeah, and that jumped out at me too because I was 
it's like this this graffiti you can tell looking at it because i'm looking at the physical version of it right, right now really closely and it is still graffiti it's still a painting on the wall i'm not sure what that's supposed to be either i mean it's i think it it's so clear it's got to be yeah. something it's it's but so it's so in the foreground it's almost like he's thinking it like it's an image in his mind versus being on the wall but you see where it's on the wall Anyway, I just I thought that was a it jumped out of me particularly the the demonic look of the eyes and the mouth just really leapt off the page at me you know and as a fan of the original you know series of this I was happy with the amount of callbacks they've done to the original series throughout it something that you may not have uh, picked up on just the bringing the characters in right. his friend is uh you know i haven't checked the name to see if it's the same as one of his friends in the early books but the uh the girl chris uh-huh. she is directly from the original series huh. she looks completely different she has a totally different personality but the fact that he took a uh, a girl that he likes and uses his powers on her is and the name is totally from the original series. It's just a, a sign that this is a character who has powers, and he's going down a bad path. Yeah, he needs an intervention. Well, I dug it. I, I dug this book so hard. This, you know, and this was a, just a fantastic week for comics. And this was this was one among many of books that I was really happy with this week. You know, and that's the painful thing is we left. So many books on the cutting room floor that would normally be some of our top books for the week because we just had too many books. Yeah. I mean, I had uh, 10 or 11 physical books, and then I had, you know, six or seven digital that I read this week. Yeah. There's a lot of books. Yeah. Well, lot you know, there are, worse, there are worse things than having a plethora of good comic books out there. We, yeah. we, we, we have had weeks where we are stretching. My wallet disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, but, that is true. It it was uh, punishing. Yeah, because one of the uh, the books we don't talk about, The Walking Dead, the latest trade came out this week too. So on top of the the ten regular books, also add a trade onto that too. Ouch. Well, next week isn't uh, showing any signs of stopping because we've got Amazing Spider-Man: The Conclusion of Ends of the Earth. We've got a uh, Spider-Man number one. Batman number 10, Batman and Robin number 10, Silk Spectre number one. Just tons of good stuff next week, too. Yeah. yeah it's now, a- and damn it, I'm going to pick up Spider-Man. As much as I don't want the crossover to happen, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick it up. Make it stop. All right. So next week, DC Comics Presents is really, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of DC Comics Presents. They, it's, I think it's like a bundle of four or five comic books for seven ninety nine. Yes. Yeah, I, next, I've bought a couple of those in the past before the New 52. Yeah, next week they have Superman Adventures, which is the Mark Miller written comic book based on the Superman animated series. And those are some of the best Superman stories I've read. And I don't have all of the issues. I'm really tempted to pick that book up, but ah, eight bucks. Yeah. That eight bucks is really kind of like. That makes yeah. it hard. Yeah, you know they really are painful, especially when you look at them on the shelf and see the price point. I can say the ones that I've picked up, I have been happy with because they are a lot of story for that price point. Because it is, it is reprints. You know how I feel about reprints, but it's it is combining a storyline. It's something that it isn't 
quite big enough for a full trade usually, but it is a full and complete story, and it still pains me to pay that price for it. But I've done it a few times. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there were. I'm just, I'm, I'm really tempted. So we'll just have to see if, if I'm going to dish out the eight bucks for for the book. But knowing me, because I love those stories so much, I probably will. Yeah, well, it's well, a lot I, of books. I think so, and I think this is a lot of podcasts. So I think we should wrap this bad boy up. What do you think? I agree. So, Bye, everybody. Uh, Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Dummy.